everyone and good morning to every one of you uh, who has already joined in uh, and i would like to say i'd like to welcome all of you today to this exciting webinar uh, but before that i thought i'll take this opportunity of giving you some uh, one housekeeping uh, announcement uh, you're welcome to uh, ask any questions to our expert panel today uh, we will do that in the end we are not going to do that at the beginning so please i request all of you to uh, write down your questions on the chat uh, box on the right hand side please when you write your questions mention your uh, name your company and and where you are from that's that's the key part of it the important thing i would request all of you is that please ask questions do not give comments because we don't have time for comments but we'll have time for questions that is what we would definitely like to do and please uh, the questions are going through a filtration process so sometimes many of you ask the same question so if we do not give your name on that question don't worry uh, your question is answered so that's what we basically will try to basically do so do ask your questions avoid the comments please because we will not find time for that so uh, if if so many people are there let's get going and let's start so our exciting webinar today is navigating the supply chain complexities in a never normal world that's the key part what we're going to do uh, but before i start uh, the best way forward would be that i would like to show you a quick video on project 44 to set the theme of our discussion today so can we have the video that be wonderful What do the world's leading brands have in common? It's simple. They believe in Project 44 to keep their supply chains running smoothly. More than a hundred billion dollars in managed freight runs through the Project 44 platform every year. As the industry's connective tissue, we have built a global and multimodal network that seamlessly connects all parts of the transportation ecosystem, including carriers, software providers, upstream suppliers, logistics providers, and downstream customers. With a focus on reliable data and rapid onboarding, we are the only provider to guarantee that our customers will quickly unlock value. That's why they have voted us the easiest to use and highest rated supply chain visibility platform in the world. So, who exactly are we talking about? Project 44 is pushing the boundaries of what's possible by powering the world's top retailers to create the experience their customers expect. We're helping consumer goods companies increase on time delivery, addressing potential issues before they become problems, especially on perishable items. Through strategic partnerships, Project 44 delivers seamlessly high-fidelity integrations with the world's most essential business systems. We're driving the world's leading manufacturers and distributors forward with the data needed to maximize throughput, minimize downtime, and reduce inventory levels. Because of our network approach and commitment to delivering high-fidelity data, Project 44 has always been the preferred visibility solution for shippers, logistics service providers, and carriers. Thank you. That gives you a bird's eye view of exactly what's happening, and that's awesome. Uh, so uh, let's start the conclave today without any further ado. And I would like to start the discussion today on the navigating supply chain complexities in a never normal world. Before I introduce my uh, speakers, uh, I'm going to take that uh, take this uh, 
chance to say a few words myself. Uh, you know what's happening in the world. This this pandemic has now in the second year. Uh, we all going through big challenges. Uh, but I would really say that the cargo industry has been uh, there coming to our support, and they are the ones who have been actually uh, helping businesses survive and go ahead. But having said this, in the past few months, the queues at the container ship, the congestion, capacity crunch, and disruptions are some new items that have constantly been catching our attention. The biggest example I would like to mention at the moment is the Suez Canal blockade. That was a wake-up call for many of us. The pandemic is causing problems, rolling rates, price hikes, and just, is, are they, these are just the tip of the iceberg. The question now becomes is manage, managing the supply chain with precision and efficiency, even in this face of disruption, improving predictability and reducing fines and meeting expectations is what everybody is looking for. The challenges are huge, are growing. A possible solution to these problems is technology and smart tools. Is, my question would be, is analytics, data prediction, and digitalization a way to increase profitability in the current volatile market? Is that the answer? Well, today we have an expert panel today who are going to deep dive into these issues and reveal the best practices they are using to keep their business afloat during these challenging times. With this, I would like to introduce our speakers today. One by one, I'd like to introduce all our speakers today. I would, I would start with Mr. V. Raju. Uh, Mr. Raju, can we uh, see you on screen? Because I can see your photograph there. But anyway, uh, going ahead would be uh, Mr. Mr. Raju is the Senior Vice President, 3PL and Container Logistics, Avayasa's Logistic All Cargo Group. A qualified professional with over 37 years experience in the field of strategic planning and management, business development, port operations, terminal operator, CFS, warehousing operation, and is a management expert. He is the recipient of the Transformative Leadership Award in the field of supply chain logistic domain in 2019 from ISCW Mumbai. Mr. Raju started his professional career with Mumbai Port Trust in 1985 and went on to work with for recognized companies abroad as well as in India. Mr. Raju, well, he's associated with educational institutions like IIM, XIMB, Pilani Institute and Mumbai University as their guest faculty. So he's not only an expert, he's also teaching people at the moment. Welcome, Mr. Raju. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. I will go on and introduce my next gentleman is Mr. Samit Datta. He's head global supply chain, IT, digital transformation and operational excellence at Pyramal Glass. He has over 26 years of experience across several companies such as General Motors, Siemen, Texmaco and Pyramal. He has been part of the Pyramal group since 2005 playing multiple roles at the chairman's office, group and glass domain, like strategy planning, and he is being a glass domain business domain. He looks after strategy planning, supply chain management, business excellence and technology. Incidentally, he was the group supply chain head of the Pyramal Group since 20, 
from 2012 to 2015. He returned to the glass business to initiate Perimal Glass's journey to technology, digital, and analytics. Until May 2019, Smith Samith was designated as a non-executive, non-independent director of Perimal Glass Ceylon. That's now Sri Lanka. He has spent five years in business consulting at PwC and IBM, driving strategy and transforming transformation initially across industries. Samit is an alumni of NIT, SPJ Institute of Management and Research, as well as the Harvard Business School. Pleasure to have such a person with us today. Welcome to welcome Mr. Samidatta. Such a pleasure to have you with us today. My last panelist today is Mr. Uh, Husseini Vora, Director of Business Development at PAC at Project 44. Prior to his role, so prior to his role, yeah, okay. Uh, sorry, I just yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, prior to his role, uh, Husseini was Vice President at PAC at Ocean Insight, which is now a Project 44 company. Husseini was the Ocean insight since the inception of the company and was one of the one of the first to join the business development function he has worked to widen ocean insights reach and capture new markets in his role he has headed the business development for the epac region and curating the global lead generation function hosseini has always been in customer facing roles and as with a strong track record of successful sales and believes in winning business with words. I love that. Maybe we'll talk about that someday, Mr. Osaini. Uh, well, I won't take any more time now. Uh, I would, uh, I would, what I'm going to do is I'm going to request all my panelists one by one to give their opening remark. And the opening remark, we will leave it to their extent of re-engineering re the industry what you have in plans for short short term, I'll leave that totally to you speak. So I will start with first with Mr. V. Raju. Uh, Mr. Raju, uh, over to you. Whatever you like to say, the opening remarks, please. Hi, good morning, everyone. And uh, good morning to you, Mr. Sanjeet and my co-panelists. Uh, yes, uh, the pandemic in all its mighty uh, role can be seen once again hit the businesses and hit all of us as well. Uh, we thought for some time, let's say by the end of last year, that things were improving. But once again, the second wave has hit. It has totally re-engineered the supply chain management, what with the focus now more on e-commerce and also on retail chain. Uh, the meaning of supply chain management has also changed to its great extent. Uh, we are now going to see a supply chain management which is more positive, which is more resilient, which is more agile, quick decision-making, these are the hallmarks that are going to be of the new supply chain management in the new normal. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, in fact, I would say that is the mantra for all the businesses, not only what we just mentioned. I agree with you 100%. Uh, thank you so much for your for your comments. Uh, I would now like to go on to Mr. Samit Datta. Over to you, sir. We would like to hear uh, uh, your comments, please. Uh, good morning, everybody. And uh, a great morning to you know Mr. Sanjeev. Mr. Raju, Husseini, and everybody in the audience. Yes, the you know the word re-engineering. I think I've been hearing this word since the 1990s, and uh, this particular pandemic has, of course, been a great uh, 
revelation. So, you know, I can only think of words with the alphabet R, starting with the alphabet R. And like what Mr. Raju said, I think the mantra that we look at, or the way I look at things, is that there are four R's that we need to be looking at. One is we need to take responsibility with whatever we have to do, whether it's human safety, whether it's people's lives, whether it's the supply chains themselves. Second one is how do we create something which is responsive, both responsive and re resilient. The third and probably the most important one amongst all this is the ability to be reliable. You know, in today's day and time where everything is broken or things are breaking up, things are joining and again breaking up. So how do we ensure reliability to our uh, customers, to our stakeholders? And the last one is about building relationships. So you have built relationships. How do you build them to become more cohesive and how do you make them grow? I think these are the four things so that will you know define the things in the short term. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mr. Datta. Thank you very much. And uh, Sumita, I agree with you, but re-engineering is the word which will going to continue today. It was there yesterday, today, and maybe in the future times to come. That's what basically is going to happen. Uh, okay, uh, now I'm going to go to my uh, my third most important panelist, Mr. Hosseini Vora. Uh, sir, over to you. Let's hear your introduction comments, sir. Sure. Very good morning to everyone, to panelists, and thank you for having me today um, on this discussion panel. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy and proud to be here. Um, uh, so the so the opening remark and uh, the point about the re-engineering, I think we've been talking about uh, re-engineering at, at professional levels, but I see re-engineering happening at, uh, at all the levels in our lives. Um, we have all adapted to the new norms and um, I'm so impressed with the, the kind of uh, uh, volatility that we all have shown uh, in this difficult time. And um, maybe, maybe I start the discussion with uh, three pointers here. And, and I feel um, that these pointers are widely accepted and I think our panelists talked about it. Uh, uh, but I, I feel it is an important thing to reiterate here. Uh, point number one, um, we all know pandemic is nothing less than a black swan event. Uh, massive, massive impact on um, our lives, uh, massive impact on global econ economy and trade. So that's point number one, we all agree to that. Uh, point number two, uh, supply chain has um, uh, always been a hard function. It's, it's considered that critical uh, ever since. But I think the pandemic era has, has now just magnified the importance of uh, uh, supply chain uh, in the whole um, uh, economy in the, and in the whole ecosystem. So, and, and point number three, uh, when, you, when you say pandemic is bad and when you say uh, supply chain is critical, uh, then there's no way there's no way around and and i think uh, the supply chain needs to be uh, more resilient needs to be more responsive needs to be more foolproof and um, i think uh, being from the technology side of it uh, provider of technology we feel that uh, uh, technology providers across the world do many things to support supply chain um, we do on a visibility side of it uh, a complete visibility end to end is, is very important for all of us, so we do that. So maybe I can elaborate on these two, uh, three topics further. Uh, uh, you know, during uh, a global lockdown uh, scenario, um, uh, like many essential services, um, uh, the, the supply chain never stopped. It kept going on and on. 
it rolled the stocks of food items, um, medical supplies, uh, hygiene and cleaning products, and many, many other things that, that, that they keep delivering. Uh, in spite of uh, a, a huge pressure building on uh, in this function and on this entire industry. Uh, so the, this, this pressure was building and coming up not just from the pandemic, but also from the problems within an industry like capacity issues. Uh, the demand and supply uh, uh, equations were very dynamic. Uh, and then on the top of that, you have like quarantine rules. You have uh, many, many frequent accidents happening across the world. So all this is happening. And, and the point that I wanted to make is, uh, uh, you know, uh, supply chain was definitely re-engineered, uh, but there's always uh, more room uh, to make it even better. And, and we can uh, take the help from technology on many fronts here. And, and visibility uh, is one of them. Uh, my personal expectation or rather wish would be to equip the supply chain with um, a much more intelligence as much as possible and create a support system that helps for uh, a faster and more accurate uh, decision making. Uh, being an industry uh, uh, leader, um, and I, I think uh, all the suppliers, uh, uh, the technology suppliers are doing their bit and Project 44 is, is leading um, uh, to, to help the, uh, the supply chain experts across the world and to help the industry uh, as a whole. Uh, we, we published and generated many, many uh, analysis about the current situations. Like we talked about the port congestions. We, we generated port intel report that I, I will put up some slides here and we'll talk about that. Uh, port intelligence would talk about what are the situations at those uh, major ports where you have, um, uh, you have a problems, you have a congestion. And when you have such an intelligence with you, uh, the, the, the supply chain people, what they need is they need to make decisions. They need to read out their shipments. They need to think about what they can do about the congestion. And for that, they need data. And that's what we do. We, we generate reports. To, to help them give an insights to how grievous the situation is, or maybe how easy the situation is at other ports. Yeah, so providing an alternate also. So port congestion is, is one example. Then we, we talked about uh, capacity uh, reports uh, across the trade lanes. Uh, we talked about the performer cap capacities uh, marketed by the shipping lines. Uh, we also talked about the, the reliability, um, the on-time performances. We talked about the, um, uh, 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 how reliable the rollovers are happening from, from the, from the transshipment ports, how good your containers are being connected to the next service. We talked about it, all that, you know, in, in the reports. Um, and, and once we generate these reports, good thing is that we are quoted by, um, uh, uh, and these reports are spreaded across by many big media houses across the world. So the likes of Financial Times, GOC, Forbes, Bloomberg, they all they all publish our um, our reports, and they they help us to make sure that that our reports have a, have a has a huge reach, and it reaches to every individual in working in supply chain. So that's what we did. So maybe I think we already have. Um, uh, a slide uh, um, on our screen, and um, I would like to give you uh, some idea about what kind of reports we created uh, to to help the industry as a whole. Um, so this is a port intelligence report. I start with um, uh, the 12th time. 
So you need to know what is the throughput of the port. You need to know how ports are performing these days. Are they quicker? Are they slower? And, and dwell time is, is like uh, how many days your containers are sitting at the ports. Um, and that's what it is. So this is the report on your screen that talks about like 25 top global ports and their scenarios. I know Los Angeles being uh, top in the list on the right extreme screen. You can see that uh, it, it takes like more than like almost 15 days. It's a box plot chart, so it, it gives you a range from like 12 days to 15 days. It, it would take for you to for your container to get out of uh, Los Angeles port. And I think we were lucky enough at Nawasheva. We were great, doing well. Uh, it was uh, well below uh, the normal average that um, global ports would take. So yeah, dwell time reports uh, uh, did did help a lot of our uh, customers. Um, to see if their ports uh, from where their supply chain is working, their supplies are coming in or going out, uh, are they doing well or not? What is the health of these ports? Uh, such a report can help them to understand um, uh, how much timeline and, and lead time they're communicating to their customers. Uh, it, it all adds up, right? So this was an important report for them. Then um, uh, next slide. This is uh, an inventory flow from one of our customers in India. Uh, who would import many, many containers from, from China. Um, and as you can see, um, uh, the containers are coming from many ports in China to many ports in India with uh, not just the, the inventory flow, how much it is, what is the volume, but it, it talks about those uh, green, yellow, and red lines that talks about whether that trade lane was doing uh, good on on-time performance or not. If, if you see more red lines, then uh, your inventory flow is affected by uh, a bad lead time or a lot of delays you are experiencing on, on your supply chain. So this helps those, uh, those professionals who are uh, always thinking about in these difficult time, how they make their uh, supply chain trade network more uh, reliable and, and more resilient and uh, with the best possible lead time. If they have this intelligence, they try to dig in more, they try to correct it, do the course correction. Uh, next slide is, um, um, it, it shows um, the dwell time situation at various Indian ports. So major ports like uh, uh, Nawasheva, Chennai, uh, Vizek, yeah, and Mundra. Uh, the, the, the colored lines are um, Indian ports averages. Of course, uh, Chennai is like not doing well from the dwell time perspective. It's taking more than like nine days for them to uh, clear the containers. And the dotted line that you see in the middle of the chart is the, is the average of uh, uh, major Asian ports. So you know where, where our ports are uh, standing uh, when compared to the other ports in, uh, in our region. Then um, uh, port congestion has always been is is very very difficult scenario, right? And we wanted to help. We wanted to give more insights. We wanted to tell you what's happening at the ports, really at, at ground level zero. So we did a, um, a report that show, shows you uh, a map around the port and shows you like how many vessels are waiting inside and outside the port areas. Um, and it talked about the vessel dwell time. So the reports that we talked about earlier in the first slide, it was about the container dwell time, how many days it takes for, your, uh, for the container to go out of the port. But this, uh, this is the one that talks about uh, how many days vessels are uh, spending at uh, each port locations. I think our ports, uh, Indian ports are still doing better, uh, but I think at Los Angeles, the scenario was much worse. And now even Singapore, 
is also hit by this. So um, on your screen, uh, uh, the situation, I think this was the situation yesterday. I generated this report yesterday at, uh, for, for Nawashiva. I think we are doing really well. Less than a one day turnaround time for a vessel is great. Absolutely amazing uh, job that uh, our ports are doing. Um, then at Chennai, of course, uh, it goes beyond uh, three days. It takes more time than Nawashiva. Um, then, uh, then at the Wysak port, again, it takes uh, somewhere around three and a half days for the vessels to come, anchor, offload the containers, load new containers, and, and go out of the port. Um, how, how these scenarios and situations would help? In normal days, when a vessel is close to the port, it, it doesn't take more than one day for your container to get offloaded. And then it doesn't take more than, uh, let's say, a couple of days to get your container out of the port. But these are, uh, by any standards, uh, these are not normal days. And, and we need more information about uh, how to interpret the situation at, at, at the ground level. So these reports are like, like trying to add more intelligence to your decision-making systems, letting you know what's happening at the ground level, letting you know the real scenarios. So you can, so you can uh, create like contingency plans, you can think about alternatives, and, and you can still make your, your, your supply chain uh, uh, keep rolling, um, like I said before, keep rolling the stocks, yeah? Yeah, and that's it from my side. Um, thank you so much. I think it was uh, a bit long for, for an opening remark, but I just wanted to make sure that we I, I give you the perspective of, from the technology side of it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mora. That was interesting. And some facts about where Bombay Mumbai starts, uh, stands between the rest of the world. But uh, I'd like to ask, and I'd like to go to our questions, which I feel are some of the important ones. And I would like to start with you, Mr. Raju. Uh, my, my first question is really addressed to you. Today, we are looking at a different world. Uh, for example, the uh, this never normal, which we talked about, has is changing a lot of things. Earlier, the supply chain used to be from one part of the world to the other part of the globe kind of situation. But the shift of supply chain now is now becoming more regional uh, kind of situation. That's also what is basically happening. Can solving a number of demand supply challenges in the present world, would it be regional? What do you think about it? And how is the way forward you think is going to do? Well, the pandemic uh, has really changed uh, the thinking process, uh, which is there amongst the corporates and other customers, basically. What has happened is earlier we used to lay stress on the cheaper labor, uh, better quality, uh, the volumes that can be made available. And because we were 100% sure that, look, the factories are all running across the world. The production centers are functioning 100%. The freight costs are going to be pretty cheap. Ships are going to be available whenever you need. But look, this pandemic has created all these uh, problems and the scenario has changed very much. So today, an MNC or a corporate has to think very, very closely. Uh, I mean, uh, take some very quick decisions because you never know when the sailing sked is going to hit you. <clears throat> For example, you are planning a vessel to sail off from, let's say, states uh, to India uh, by the end of this month. But all of a sudden, you realize that there is a capacity issue and also the uh, ship is not available due to this pandemic situation prevalent in almost all the countries. Either the people not coming or the workforce not coming or the goods to be transported not reaching the port on time. So then what happens to the supply chain department and the factory that depends on the import of these raw materials 
in in our country or for that matter in any other country they have to change the skits they have to think alternatives and this is where the thinking has now moved from a globalization point of view to a regional point of view because gone are those days when you used to think about cheaper goods quicker output voluminous output etc we now need to know how to work in a, in an environment which is regional which is more near to the factory such that the traveling sked or the transportation sked does not hit you the goods are available if not 100% then at least 50% of the stocks that you need to run the factory just in time is made available <clears throat> similarly we had a problem about where to stock them so the warehouses near the factories the warehouses nearby the locations where you can stock the goods once they are imported somewhere between the port and your factory and also find out people who are willing to take the responsibility of producing as much as they can with the available labor so all these factors need to be rethought the supply chain management team has to be very very positive they have to be alert to the changing realms which is happening in the world over and they also have to take some very quick decisions maybe at times even go for heavier investments because certain decisions may be slightly expensive but to keep the things moving but to keep the production on they need to look at all these factors and therefore the supply chain management what is now present in all the industries has totally changed the thinking has changed the working has changed and people now feel it a responsibility that we have to be more resilient to the changing scenario in the world thank you uh, thank you sir raju but uh, i really want sorry just a little question to on that kind of situation but would the future become more on regional uh, or would it be more global uh the regional the importance of regional supply chain has come to stay uh pandemic or no pandemic this is bound to be there for some more time till the systems really reassemble till the systems really are strengthened more and we get the confidence that look people have started working factories have started working global supplies have come back to their normal till such time which is going to be some time more and when i say some time more it's going to be some years before this is going to go back to the global normal world but till such time we need to depend on the regional supplies and regionalization of the supply chain management so good so okay that means regional is your future and so india is safe to a certain extent uh, i'm going to go continue i'm going to go on to my next uh, speaker uh, mr samit i'm going to come to you uh, my question to you would be making a data driven decision to improve the supply chain performance seems to be now critical that's that seems to be the answer to a lot of things what role do you think uh, technology has played in the last year and what would it be uh, your current concern and what's the future looking like so i think uh, if you look at it technology has taken front seat um it's become very easy for people from the technology side of things to get their investments through after this uh, pandemic and i say this with a little bit of a smile because in the past technology often in the indian context was considered a cost and the natural question used to be what is the return of investments okay uh, however i think the leading companies companies which have been in leadership positions have always invested regularly in technology they have always looked at how can we get maximum 
even if there are no tangible returns, but there are a lot of intangible returns of technology. So whether I take uh, a product like what Project 44 has, which is the ocean uh, uh, visibility, and if I can, if I'm able to connect that with my internal systems, and you know whether it's your base ERPs, whether it's an Oracle or an SAP. I connect that with, let's say, an extended supply chain, which could be, let's say, a trucking movement that's happening uh, between, let's say, ports or between your factory to your customers or to your warehouses. I think getting the data today is, you know, the most important thing. And as they say, you know, the cliched word is data is the new oil. But it's not just getting the data. There are, there are two, three elements of this. One is real-time visibility, which will help you take some real-time decisions. But more interesting than that is how you use this data to really create some analytics models which can help you predict and maybe prescribe. So going forward also, I really see that the role that technology plays is extremely high. You know, uh, for instance, in our company, we have also have a very large investment and uh, implementation of IOTs. So we are looking at how to bring even machines to start talking so that we can predict as to when the new order is going to come in, how is it going to perform. It's going to also tell us whether this order is going to be done on so-and-so date. Basis that prediction, we are now placing, let's say, the containers or the trucks in our plants so that we can streamline and move the, move the things fast. The third thing which I think technology does is, and this is an indirect effect, I would say, is it actually creates a repository which you can use so it's more like a knowledge repository. It's like a historical repository. So you have a lot of data that's available, which can be even opened up to customers. So for example, you know, things like documentation, which makes a very big uh, aspect of, uh, you know, trade in the world when you're doing imports and exports. And often you'll see that we are paying extra money at, by because the boxes or the containers are detained or, you know, something else is happening because we don't have a particular document. Now, can we imagine, and it's not can we imagine, I think this is reality today, where as soon as a ship is leaving the shores of the, of the, of the country, you have all your documents loaded in one particular repository, which is cloud-enabled, and you can take it out from wherever you want, and you can do this. The second thing is, with this pandemic, I think a lot of the government regulatory bodies, which insisted on physical documents, have now moved to electronics. So I think the world has speeded up quite a bit. And technology has been right at the bottom of this and has played a significant role. So going forward, I think it's just more usage of that. And apart from more usage of that, it's how we use this data to take real-time decisions or predictive decisions to enable that you know we are more reliable and we are much faster than the others. So the real differentiator is going to be data and technology. Uh, Samit, I'm going to ask you, uh, maybe you call it a stupid question, but I want to add to this particular thing. Uh, you have, what you're telling us, the data efficiency and all that is really going going to a different level. Are we ready as humans, ready for all this? Well, were we ready to work from home? We were not. So I think humans are the most uh, most unique race. You know, mankind has surprised everybody from everything. So um, if you look at it, you know, the generation now probably are born with smartphones and they use it. I think my children use it much better than I do. So I think humans are ready. Uh, it's probably a lot of change management. 
uh, which is what we need to, you know, systematically work on. Uh, a lot of organizations and the leading organizations have been working on this for quite some time. But uh, this is here to stay, whether we like it or we don't like it. I think it's here to stay. So if you want to, you know, you know, if you want to really survive well, you've got to adapt it and adopt it. If you don't, then I think you will become history in that sense. So we are, we may not be ready, but we have to be ready. That's the way I would like to answer it. Okay, so you're not giving us a choice. All right, I put point well taken. Hussaini uh, uh, sir, before I come to you, just for one minute, I want to go back to Mr. Raju. Raju, I want to ask you one thing, which is, which is I thought was a little different. How are you looking at the accelerating this digital transformation in the field of third-party logistics? Uh, is this done? And I want to look at address also from the shape of point of this last minute, uh, last mile delivery, sorry, because that seems to be... Uh, a lot of people's concern. So if you can throw some light on it. Oh, yes. Uh, well, uh, when I said that uh, the warehouses uh, need to be one step ahead, uh, just now, Mr. Datta, while speaking, my co-panelist mentioned that uh, the data and the IT mechanism is being set in such a way that when a ship leaves, let's say, one of the European ports, uh, the entire data is crunched together and sent across to Navashiva so that, let's say, at Navashiva port, you are well ready uh, to receive uh, and know for sure in advance as to what is going to come, what are the imports, where is it stacked, where is it stored within the vessel, how much time will it take to discharge them, so on and so forth. Now, I extend this further, uh, saying that, look, we were even thinking at one of the forums I was discussing on whether the same data can be moved across to the warehouses. Let's say I have a warehouse which is positioned somewhere near the port and I'm able to get this data and I'm also able to get a data which says that, look, the container is going to be discharged tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock and by uh, 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock, this container should be available in your warehouse for offloading. Now, this is what we call it as analytics, IT support and cloud thinking. So, all these three put together, this is where we need the help of the data that Mr. Datta was talking about. Warehouses can be one step ahead and be ready with the space to be made available. <clears throat> because remember, a big warehouse houses many customers' goods. So need to make space for that particular customer, need to have the equipments, need to have the operators in place, need to have our warehouse management system software in place. Now, what happens is during pandemic, these these elements are a rarity. You may have some workmen not coming. You may have some operators not coming. You may have some spaces not correctly filled up as a result of which your data shows that that space is already filled up while it's actually not. So in short, we need to be ready with the software and the IT systems like WMS, that is warehouse management system, the remotely controlled uh, uh, operator driven uh, MHEs, that is material handling equipments, and in certain warehouses, we also have the automatic storage and retrieval systems. Now, these are the things which really help you even in times of pandemic. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is, in a pandemic, these softwares really help us a great deal to plan it in advance. Even if we do not get the support of the port or the customers, the moment the customer says that, please be ready because some of my 10 containers are going to arrive, we go into overtime action. 
we say that look instead of 10 keep space for 11 uh, 15 containers make the operators ready with whatever help that we can make the mhes ready but the key and the essential aspect is the container that comes to you has to be offloaded material shifted can be on a docking bay temporarily can be to a staging area temporarily but get the container empty and send it back to the empty yard without any detention because already the customer has suffered hugely getting the production i mean the product from overseas port into indian ports and then on to the warehouse so the motive behind all this is positive thinking and a thought to help the customer in every possible way and, and last aspect of your question was the last mile delivery this has become extremely important especially keeping in mind the e-commerce or the online uh, uh, this thing uh, order placement most of the people most of the customers have changed their behavior from a conventional to a behavior where is where are they placing orders on online systems so as a result of that time is is of paucity time is short what they expect is i place the order at 12 o'clock i need the delivery by two o'clock or three o'clock and now in this pandemic what is actually happening is the orders are really piling up and the departments the different stores are not able to supply keep pace with that so what needs also to be thought of is the traffic management system the software that helps you plan the route specialization route optimization which helps you tell you which route is uncongested and you can move through what time how much time will it take so that basis that you can tell the customer that look i'm going to be at your doorstep in three hours time and then the contactless delivery the delivery through online the papers to be de uh, to be uh, described to be feed fed into the systems and make it online rather than exchange of paper and also contactless leave it on the doorstep so that we also are taking care against the pandemic that is creating havoc all across. So contactless delivery with a route optimization, taking help of the systems and also the warehouse management system will enable you a perfect logistics scenario. Thank you. Uh, point well taken, sir. But I can ask you a little sub question with this. Very well said. But the question basically is how is the demand going to cope with it? Because you may be expecting a demand of 100 and you have something like 500 things. Then how are you going to manage that? Or is it? A part of the system. Uh, look, uh, the systems uh, do take care of. It is not a question of let's say ten or twenty uh, is what is the limit that my system can take care of. Even if you key in five hundred, you key in about hundred thousand uh, orders. The system can plan and deliver. But the key question is whether your production facility can take care of the hundred orders that keep pouring in. Because of late, what we have found is many of these online shopping centers have closed down or have closed down temporarily because they're unable to cope up with the number of orders that are falling in. So we'll have to find out means it will take some time. But yes, new centers are coming up. New shops are opening up. New, uh, based, new platforms are coming up with people like Amazon and Flipkart who have even started ordering grocery online, which was never a thought. Uh, let's say a year back, but then that has also started. So I'm sure that this problem will also be taken care of. But yes, right now, delivery is not a problem alone. It is the production speed, the volume, whether the production lines can take care of the volume vis-a-vis -vis the orders that are being placed. 
Okay, thank you very much. So it's basically uh, coming down to the fact that pre-informed is pre-warned. So you need to be ready with whatever it is. So I would come to you, Mr. Seni, on this. Everything is now seems to be boiling down to technology to a great extent. And as a provider, how would you define, uh, or let me put this way, uh, how do you define true visibility? Put it this way. And what are your major challenges in solving them as a technology provider? Uh, what do you think about it? Sure. So I, I think it's a, a bit difficult to put a like, like a precise definition of or, or maybe a one size fit uh, kind of definition um, for what is true visibility because I think it's it's very very subjective uh, a topic. Uh, for me, um, if I have to define uh, true visibility, I, I would say uh, making the I, I think uh, uh, Mr. Datta said it all uh, in his uh, in his discussion, but I think I can. Uh, just sum it up and summarize it that making the um, actionable and meaningful data available um, to the right people uh, in the organization at the right time is is definitely a key and um, once such data and intelligence is available to your people um, uh, they they need to be uh, like like mr data said uh, it, uh, change management needs to be there we need to make sure that such an intelligence is put to practice. Uh, it, you know, once the intelligence is available, uh, we need to ask ourselves questions. Are we able to, uh, um, uh, you know, control our exceptional shipments better than earlier? Are we able to build and design more resilient and more reliable network based on such a data and intelligence? Are we is is such data is helping uh, me driving cost and penalties down? Like, am I able to reduce my demergent detention penalties, which I was paying last year? Can, can I do that with uh, the visibility data? Um, and 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 last but uh, very important, of course, operational efficiency is part of it. But uh, delighting your customers, we have many many uh, use cases where. Um, the, the, the manufacturers and shippers are more concerned about uh, how they delight uh, their customers. Uh, I always talk about this case study where a manufacturer uh, thinks about what they can do to reduce the lead time. I think the most costlier affair and option and alternate is they, they put up another manufacturing plant and, and reduce the lead time. And the, the other um, easiest option and alternate is to look out for those inefficiencies in the processes and try to uh, try to uh, make them even better. So, for example, um, can I reduce the lead time of um, my shipments going out of uh, India or coming in from China? Uh, and and to make those decisions, I need to know what's the industry benchmark. Uh, if I am shipping my containers in a, in 15 days, uh, is is industry uh, is is experiencing the same number of lead times? Uh, if not, then I need to I need to be worried about that. So yeah, I mean, if you if you put a tick mark on all these topics, uh, um, and if visibility is helping you to achieve this, then is is mm -hmm. definitely um, uh, a, a true visibility for you. And um, I think we are, we are trying to as a, as a technology provider, we are trying to uh, solve uh, uh, these very problems. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, trying to help you with uh, the immersion, uh, reducing the immersion detention costs, trying to improve the lead times, trying to, uh, you know, trigger those negotiations with your carriers and uh, and uh, logistics service providers uh, about the uh, about the efficiencies and inefficiencies in your in your trade networks. 
So yeah, I mean, um, I, I think uh, to to sum it up, um, a true visibility is 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 the one is not just making the data and intelligence available, but uh, making those uh, uh, intelligence uh, put into practice, use them, uh, make sure that you you drive uh, and crunch uh, the best out of those. Uh, that's what I would feel is a, is real true visibility is. Thank you, uh, thank you, Sunny Uh there's a question which I need to ask you, but I'm going to first link it to Samit. Samit, I, I really want to ask you now what Mr. Saini also said. Well, my point would be the congestion capacity issues because this I asked Raju also. Uh, detention, damages. How can you escape this in this in this new world of technology? Uh, how do you manage the situation today? And since I want to add to that, uh, you have been you have experience working with Project Forty Four. So how do think is going to benefit this in collaborating with this? What's your experience been? So let me try and answer the first question as to how can you escape this and this me to you know the one of the charts that Husseini showed about the dwell time okay or the time it takes for a ship to birth and get out. Now um, if you look at the western part of India, India's western coast actually has is blessed with one of the, in the, the largest three four ports of the country. So, you know, for our operations, which is based in Gujarat, often more than not, you know, when we see that there is a particular situation that's occurring in, let's say, Nawasheva, for example, we take a quick decision to just shift it out and maybe move it to a Mundra or a Pipawa, where probably the detention, demerage or the congestion is, is, is lacking. So the same ship, uh, we, we take advantage of the fact that, okay, this ship is now going to be berthing in Mumbai or in Nawasheva. It's going to take another three days before it goes and reaches Mundra. So I try and take that same ship and catch the same trip. So basically, it's like catching the train, but you probably take the train in a different station. And that could help you in a very big way. And it's visibility and it's technology which can enable you to do these things very quickly. Uh, if you don't have that, you will not be, you'll be blind to it. And you'll just then be one of the many who are in the queue and probably incur a lot of costs. Um, working uh, with, you know, Project 44, I think we've been one of their oldest customers for quite some time. Um, we, we, we've seen that the company basically has a very solid core when it comes to, you know, the product. But when it comes to customization, and this is something which, you know, if a technology company can do it, it's also in many ways an inductive effect on companies such as us, which is actually serving customers with real products is how can we customize solutions and give solutions to our customers using the medium of technology. So making, let's say, customized reports, making some changes, bringing in alerts and things like that. So, you know, just as, just as, a, as, a, as a joke right now, I could just say that when we first used to see the dashboard, we used to see exceptions used to be one or two. Today, the exceptions is major. The normal is probably become the exception. So it's only because that we are able to see this, we are able to, you know, get this data. The second thing is about visibility and about Project 44 and the products that they have is that they really have a good triangulation method by before which the data is qualified. So it's not just linking on any one thing, but it's linking on several things where there's an intelligence built around that and then saying, okay, this is now the real milestone and this has been qualified. So if you look at one of the important ones is transshipment. You know, usually we 
we never really take care about transshipments. But transshipments, basically, if you miss one vessel, and this is really not in your control, but by virtue of the, the visibility that you have, you can now reach out to your, let's say, to your uh, shipping line and say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm seeing these five containers sitting in this transshipment port. Let's say Algeciras for an example. And you reach out to Maersk and tell them, okay, fine, you know what? I need these to be loaded. I hope it's there on the load, load ship. Again, that's some way or the other helping customer delivery. Okay, in some way or the other, it's also helping reducing your expenses. And when a customer sees this and you're giving this information to the customer in a responsible way, customers get, get the feeling that you have control over your supply chain. Okay, really speaking, we're just taking data from somewhere and we're just pumping it in a more intelligent manner but it gives a very comfortable feeling and again you know to your question Mr. Sanjeev that you know how do humans react humans are very simple actually you know they do react and you know very small things which emotionally appeal to humans if you can get those right there's immense amount of satisfaction and you might come back with a with a smile on your face saying that what big did I do out here but it's simple things which which actually makes a big difference. And if we get those simple things and we are intelligent enough to know how to use them, I think those things take care. And technology, again, plays a very, very fundamental role in all this. In fact, one of our thoughts right now, and this is something which is going on in my head, is that how can I create, like, you know, and this may sound a little bombastic, but that's, that's what I was talking to one of my colleagues in the morning. And I was telling him that, like, when NASA... Uh, launches a space shuttle, there's a whole command control center which is sitting out there. And there are a bunch of computers sitting out there which are people are doing something out there. And these are intelligent scientists who are doing a lot of calculations, but independently things. I think slowly and steadily, I am seeing that the organizations would have to move to that kind of a command control center. And that's what will then, the synchronization of that is what will make supply chains work, whether regionally or or, uh, uh, you know, globally. That's the way I look at it. And maybe I'm, you know, wrong uh, out here. But... No, no, no. Fair, fair enough. Command system, but I hope not like NASA. Uh, that's something that's the way forward we need to go with. Uh, okay. I'm really running short of time, but I've got quite a few questions from the audience. So I'm going to take them up right now. And I would like you to answer them, uh, not to elaborate, but go into them briefly. Uh, the first question which I've received just now is uh, uh, from Rupesh Singhvi. I think, Raju, you could answer this. Please share some opportunities in this sector, especially uh, transition from the airline industry. If you can throw some light on this. Uh, Sanjit, can you repeat the second part of it? Uh, uh, transition? In the sector, especially transition from the airline industry. Uh, it, it's like, I know, it's getting into the shipping part of it. If he's, if he's saying... Uh, Rupesh, if you're hearing me, that's what I presume you No, no, absolutely fine, uh, uh, because just to inform the panelists as well, I, I was an ex-vessel uh, planner, so very much working from Navashiva and Karachi uh, for the IPEX service. Uh, I spent uh, almost five to ten years into this. So, nevertheless, uh, Rupesh, your question about uh, uh, moving from uh, transition from uh, uh, service of airlines into uh, shipping, uh, at the moment, very difficult. And I would not like to uh, hazard any guesses on that. Reason is simply because the freight indexes and the fr uh, shipping freight is moving through uh, turbulent times. Uh, 
on the contrary, uh, you will have to judge uh, uh, on the decision whether to import whether your imports are that essential. If they are, let's say, something like pharma products, uh, let's say something like life-saving drugs, etc., move it to airlines. Uh, you get a booking uh, spaces uh, uh, quite easily, comparatively. Uh, while if you uh, can wait for some time, if you can plan them uh, properly, then yes, go for the ships. Because at the moment, it all depends on visibility and essentiality. Uh, because we are passing through turbulent times. So therefore, planning in advance and maintaining that sked is extremely important rupation. I hope I'm able to answer you. Perfect. Thank you so much. In fact, the next one I'm going to really uh, uh, come to you, Samit. Uh, Praful Khosla, he's asking, what are the reasons for the container container scarcity and steep hike in rates since January 2021? When will we see the situation normalize? Oh, uh, firstly, Mr. Khosla, thank you for you know considering me a great crystal ball gazer. I wish I had that answer to the second question. But let me hazard a guess out here. So obviously, there are multiple reasons for this uh, particular uh, 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 scarcity of containers. And uh, this has predominantly been driven by three things. One is the way I look at it. One is an increasing or demand growth that you see in the world. And it's pre predominantly been fueled by the US. So you know, different countries have been giving different tolls. And that is causing a lot of you know demand to be brought in. People's behaviors have changed. So in the US, for example, a lot of people are working from home. They're looking at home improvements. So a lot of commodities which were not really selling in that large volumes have started selling. So there's a lot of demand getting into the US. Uh, this is causing two things. One is it's causing, and okay, with the pandemic also, you have lockdowns which are happening in multiple regions at multiple times. So let's take, for instance, there's a lockdown situation in India currently, but three months back it was in Europe. You know, go back last year also, you'll see. So you'll see there's a lot of movement of containers from one place to the other. So where you need containers to be moved out, you don't get the containers because they're not available. Okay. Where you need the containers to be moved in, you don't have. So that's causing a little bit of an imbalance. And there, therefore, a lot of the shipping companies have to be repositioning the, uh, the containers from here to there. So there's a cost attached to it. The third thing is, I think, all about how the shipping lines have managed their uh, schedules. So they've been doing blank sailings. There's been, you know, they've been removing ships from one region to another region. So there are disturbances in the string. So capacity itself has also become less. And last but not the least, and is that if you really look at it, because of the pandemic year last year, you know, we've not really seen manufacturing of new boxes, new ships, etc. So again, that's also caused another supply side constraint. So from a demand supply standpoint, I think there is huge demand being fueled by a less amount of supply and which is causing the price rises. When does this uh, look to normalize? Well, you know, again, uh, I feel that if you really look at it, um, you see some early indicators of new containers getting manufactured in the last quarter. So quarter one of uh, 2021, you're seeing new orders on container manufacturing. You're also seeing an increase in the number of ships that have been ordered. Okay. 
So once these things happen and these things will take time, so I would say it's another one, one and a half to two years before things probably can look at some amount of semblance. Uh, but again, uh, the demand can also go out very quickly because uh, I, was, I was just listening to somebody in the trade telling me that few of his containers to US did not go because there were 30 containers uh, waiting for dumbbells, you know, dumbbells which you use for exercise which had to be loaded and that had to go to one of the U.S. retailers. So things like dumbbells, if, if dumbbells can take precedence over many other things, I don't think you're going to be selling dumbbells for the rest of your life. So you, you might be surprised to see uh, some demand, you know, just turning off in certain points in time. So there could be some opportunities that could be there. But the crystal ball gaze, my guess is that if you really want sanity to be brought in, it will take some time. But don't expect... It took a be like what it used to be two years back or three years back. Please remember that the shipping lines and the companies have understood how to do business. So fair you know, they know how to do it. Uh, fair enough. Thank you. I've got last two questions. I'm taking friends. No more. Don't write any more questions. Uh, and, and I think uh, Rajuji, if you can answer this, I think uh, this is from Mr. Bhaskar Chatterjee, Marine Container Service. He's saying, please tell us the status of the e-bill mode and acceptance by the Indian customs. Uh, yes, uh, when it's all started, the eBay bill was uh, very well accepted. It was much easier filling it up, uh, much easier uh, 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 teaching people. I mean, the transport operators as also the shippers, etc. But off late, there have been changes and uh, off late, uh, uh, there have been murmurs into the industry world that look, eBay bill is no more really uh, very useful. And therefore, at this point of time, uh, I mean, uh, the, whether the difficulties are being faced into the e-way bill is because of the pandemic, offices going unattended, people not coming up uh, uh, to offices, working from home, etc., which delays things, which is creating uh, uh, problems, or is it actually the uh, stats, the details that need to be filled up and the time before which, before every single uh, consignment moving out to the truck, this e-way bill has to be filed. Uh, so, therefore, what is the real reason is yet to be really uh, found out. But for the moment, the e-way bill stays and we are yet uh, we are going uh, strong on it as far as the uh, number of users are concerned. Uh, and this has come to stay. Okay, thank you. The very last question, because I really need to, after that, wind up. But I want, any of you can answer this. This is from Mr. Anand. I think he's, he sent this question three or four times. Please guide how to work on credit for freight. It seems like a trap if we give it. And if we don't, then the shipping lines are directly offending, offering us, offering it. What do we do? Any of you, I'll leave that totally to you guys. Uh, Raju, Samit, whoever wants to take it. Can you just repeat the question once more, please? Please guide us on how to work on credit for freight. It seems like a trap. If we give it, and if and if we don't, then the shipping lines are directly offering it. That means that the credit line is being offered by the shipping lines directly. So if they don't do it and if they give it, what's going to happen? I mean, my quick comment, uh, just two lines. I'm sure uh, Samit and Hosseini will definitely take the lead in this. But my quick comment is, yes, it is definitely a trap, especially in this pandemic world. 
uh, as it is giving credit was always something to be thought over we used to always say that the management approvals are not there etc just to avoid that but uh, now in this pandemic world yes it's extremely difficult but then you will have to very keenly balance knowing the customer uh, what we call it as the kyc you have to uh, be very very strong in that before you afford the credit uh, because many a times uh, the payment back is received uh, maybe after 6 to 8 months and whether you can afford it in this pandemic is something which uh, is up to your capabilities and therefore you got to be extremely careful at the same time you are mentioning that shipping lines will give it and take away the business yes that danger is always there because shipping line will know all these customers much more than what you know and they have got a big big pocket compared to you so therefore this is something like uh, walking on the sand you have to be very very careful but at the same time business interests have also to be safeguarded and anything you would like to add on this uh, samit no so i think uh, uh, the, the only thing that i have to say this if there's one constancy that has been there pre pandemic post pandemic which is cash is king and cash will remain king uh, how do you generate the cash how do you maintain that cash i think it's also it's a far more deeper subject uh, it depends on your, on your cost of borrowing and things like that but yes i agree with mr raju that if you delay a little bit the shipping lines today because they want to diversify and they want to do it they have much deeper pockets they would tend to you know buy you out so i think from that extent i think i agree with this point if i can if i can if i can just give up my bit of it a little very short way quick but i think um, there are aspects that i think the question is from somebody who is in the uh, logistic service provider right so um, it, it, know that uh, uh, there are many things that shipping line can't do and you can do it and there are many things that shipping line can do and you cannot do it so it's just about making uh, and finding out where where you can really play your game uh, it's just about that so just be aware of those facts and uh, um, and bank on on them you know so things that shipping line can do try to really work on those that, that that's my bit on this yeah so great balancing act on a tight rope walk so i know that's what you boys are suggesting okay uh, friends i really need to now come to the uh, conclusion of the whole thing but before that i know a lot of you are sending questions please friends if you want to send more questions do it we'll try to get the answers for you later but on the screen guys if you're going to look at it everybody uh, there's a project 44 has a white paper uh, on the roi on the ocean freight tracking system uh, it is now available on the screens so if you would like to download it uh, you can okay uh, moving ahead now actually this really wants me i need to conclude and the best way of doing that uh, is to really get our speakers to uh, give their uh, comments so i want to start with mr bora mr bora uh, why don't you go first uh, and give your comments and then i'll go to the other speakers over to you husaini sir you're muted uh, you need to unmute yourself yeah it it happens in many meetings <laughs> okay so um i i should say and i quote i quote um, uh, uh, you know some of the industry experts like gartner here there are many things to achieve through technology and it's pretty hard to eat the whole apple together um, uh, just try to solve uh, one problem at a time um uh, and and try to have like uh, the eventual goal should be to have uh, end to end visibility but eventually you start with a uh, small baby steps and uh, do one thing at a time 
and try to eventually solve all your problems, uh, um, you know, in the future. But yeah, my, my take on this is that try to take the help from technology, but don't try to do too much. Uh, there's a chain management to happen at your organization. So it's very important to, to manage that well. So that's, that's it. And with this, I thank you, the panelists. I thank you, Cargo Talk. And I also thank you. To all the audience for that precious time. Really appreciate that. We are not letting you go off at the moment, but we will come back to you. Uh, Sagat, uh, over to you. What are your concluding remarks? I think concluding remarks would be that you have to be resilient. You also have to keep your eyes and ears open because there will be a lot of opportunistic kind of uh, uh, matters that will come in. Uh, that can only happen if you're alert, if you're responsive. If you're not, you'll allow a lot of things to go by. And that means that you have to have a network of several things. One of them is technology. The second thing, and I think which is most important, is man. You have to invest in humans. Uh, they have to be you know, brought up to the next level. Um, you can give them the best toys, but if they don't know how to use it, you know, you know, it, it's going to be, it's as they say, you know, when you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. So you don't want that to happen. Um, it's going to be very interesting times. The companies which have... Uh, really learned the art of using technology and uh, you know having their people to you know take those decisions will be much much better place than the ones which are not but things are going to change what you solve for today is not going to tomorrow so forget that 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 kind of a thought process that used to you know guide us or where i've spent most of my life trying to do i think it's very different now Fair, fair enough. I point very well taken. Alert and, and watch out what's happening in the way it is going. Uh, Mr. Raju, when I come to you, never normal world. It's not a normal world going to be anywhere. So what's your concluding remarks? What would you like to say, sir? Uh, in my language or in my experience, the never normal world is basically uh, a world which has to be visible from all directions. You have to create a world which is visible from all directions. What better to do it than invest into IT systems and technology? Because that is the, what is going to help you from all angles. Then your SCM has to be very, very flexible. You cannot stick on to the old norms. You can't stick on to the processes that you have been following for years together. You got to be flexible and you got to be very, very agile. Seize the opportunity, take some quick positive decisions and move fast, even if, if it requires some additional capital investments. Then strengthen your resilience because you got to fight it back. Don't get upset. Don't get really negative. You got to remain positive. Motivate your workforce because they are the warriors on the ground who are going to carry forward all your work on, in warehouses, in logistic centers, in factories, in go-downs, etc. Keep motivating them. Spend more money on them. Keep them absolutely fresh and willing to face any challenges. And finally, uh, you got to accept changes and you got to be ready for the changes because this is a never normal world where everything positive can be done only if you are willing to change. That's all. Thanks a lot and thanks to the speakers.